Welcome to church, early church, the ones who love Jesus the most. I tell the later services that you're here because you're more sinful than they are. You just need to get ahead of it. And so I don't, I've never said that, but I might today. That's a, that's a pretty good line. I'm Pastor Corey, if we haven't met. would love to meet you, my lovely wife, Pastor Aaron. And uh, if you're new here, we have a little seven-minute party. We want to get you connected outside. You'll hear more about that uh, a little bit later. Just a couple of uh, things that are coming up here. Um, we have Compassion Canada coming on December the 10th. So I would love for you to prepare, you know, like we give Christmas gifts to the people that we love. I would love for you to consider uh, helping a child in a, in a nation that uh, where our dollar stretches so far. And so uh, Brian Cool is coming from, what a, he's coming from Compassion Canada. His niece comes to church here. I'm just like, how do you get the last name Cool without like legally changing your current name? Or like, I'm so cool. Um, anyways, so that's happening and there's a child dedication. So if your kids have never been dedicated to the Lord, um, we would uh, recommend that. Uh, how old can my kids be? My kid is 25. I'd like to dedicate him to the Lord. Um, that's probably too old. Anyways, just stop in at the brick wall. We'd love to help you. Like, what does that mean? We'd love to, um, help you out there. Some of y'all 25 year old kids need to get dedicated to the Lord. Um, also what we're doing uh, in venue kids this year is we are blessing a family this year. Um, this actually is initiated this year by the family that was blessed last year that comes to church. And so they're like, when are we doing this bless a family thing? Cause we want to pay it forward. And so we just, um, collect things and we just, we can't do it for everybody, but we do it for one family every Christmas. And so, um, so thank you for your generosity there. And we have all of our Christmas gifts ready to go. And so, uh, anyways, thank you for your generosity throughout the year. Okay. We're in a new series called the power plant. Thank you, Sean. Um, this is a series about the Holy Spirit. Today's um, sermon is, I'm calling it, The Holy Spirit Isn't Weird. And then in subtitles, like, people are. So the Holy Spirit of God is not, is not weird. Um, I don't think you can live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. I think you trying to do that is weird. And uh, that's really where people get weird. But also, weird people... Like the Holy Spirit too, because weird people are just weird people, and then stuff gets weird. And so I'm going to preach about this. Look, if you're not from a church background at all, which like half of you aren't, um, you're not going to know what I'm talking about with the Holy Spirit being weird and stuff. You're like, just teach us out of the Bible and we could do that. And I'm like, okay, so that's easy for you. But some of us grew up in church backgrounds that were quite different in our theology. That means what we think about God in and around the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, even the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So my parents both came from traditions that didn't really believe in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's role in our lives, um, which I'm going to explain specifically what... Jesus intended and, and uh, what the Holy Spirit wants to do, but they had to kind of get past some of their religious traditions and denominational teachings, really non-teachings about that. So just because we hear something and it's traditional in church doesn't mean that it's early church practice or even in the Bible. It's just kind of something that we just kept doing over the years, whether it was what Jesus intended or not. We always have to keep coming back to the word of God. So some people are like, you know, you know, I said this, I can't remember where it was like, Hey, I want to go to a Bible believing church, but I want to do all of this other stuff in my life. That's, and I'm like, some people come to church and they're like, you're not going to preach out of the Bible, will you? And I'm like, that's really all that we do. It's a church. So that's why. If your life was working out there, why are you in here? So let's go to the, the Lord and see what he can do in our lives. Now, and I'm also going to do, um, we're just going to go through the early church scriptures, um, the Holy Spirit, 
Uh, we're going to go through all that. And um, so this is what I heard a lot. A lot of my uh, friends uh, growing up went to churches that didn't really understand uh, the role of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there was almost this other swing on the other side. is like, you got to watch that Holy Spirit. You know, like you got to watch pr- praying in tongues. I'm going to do a bonus episode about praying about tongues and what that all in- entails at the end of all of this. So, but I heard like, you got to watch out for the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, you know who else thinks that? The devil. So that's not great company to be in. Um, anyways, we're going to get into it. If the devil can't keep you from being saved, he'll keep you from being weaponized in the Holy Spirit. So I've watched this happen. I'm a pastor's kid. I've watched this happen over and over again. If he can't keep you from salvation, if he can't keep you from um, being adopted into the family of God, he will definitely try to keep you a, what I call a church civilian. Somebody who's not weaponized, who has weapons, doesn't know how to use them, locks them in some back room somewhere so that you're of no use in the war. He's not afraid of people not weaponized by the Holy Spirit at all. In fact, you're probably a great distraction from the, from the battle. So what we're going to do is we're just going to dig into this. Now, I'm going to talk today a little bit about these, uh, these two words, behavior modification. So I think most of the counseling and most of what we're hearing right now is like behavior modification. If we could only get our behaviors right, then we can. Now, I'm not saying that your behavior shouldn't be right. Um, but I'm going to suggest to you that there's another way to look at this. See, behavior modification is working change into your life. Think of something in your life that needs to change right now. Think of like the thing that if it changed your anger, addiction, lust. I mean, if there was one thing that changed, it would have the greatest effect on your life. Now think about that thing. Behavior modification is trying to like work our behaviors in to affect change in from the outside in. Now it's, it's extremely necessary. It's called discipline. Um, but it's, it's, it's like mental pathways that harm. You got to do a lot of work, you know, uh, emotions that are just not like godly or helping or, um, all of these things, or your will that just wants what it wants, you know, like we have to discipline these things and bring them into harmony and into unity and into vision and into destiny. So now listen, um, as we're talking about behavior modification a little bit, like your child should take out the garbage, whether they feel like it or not, you know, you should give to the Lord because he gave first and he's like, it's good for you. Uh, you're like, God doesn't need my money. People do because people need adopting. And God is like, you ought to, cause I look what I gave. So there should be something inside of you that looks like Jesus, you know? And then some people are like, well, I don't give because God loves a cheerful giver. And I'm just not happy about that. And I'm like, you know what? Like, can we get past some of these things? I'm like, sometimes you just got to obey until your heart lines up. And the Bible also says your heart follows your treasure. So you're like, I can't control my own heart. No, I don't think you can change it. I think it takes God to really change a heart. But I think that you can do some of your behavioral stuff. And I'll talk about this in a second. But listen, no behavior alone or behavior modification stands a chance against the enemy of your soul. So everything out there is like, well, you can, you know, like I found myself in myself. I don't even know what that means. Like you found another of you in there. You know what I mean? Like, is he, is he nicer than the, the one that we see? Cause like find yourself and you know, the Bible says self-help is no help at all. So there's something in there, but then it talks about behaviors a lot. So as we're talking about this, I want to just take this shot right out at the beginning of the series saying all of your behavior modification that you could ever do is of no power against the devil. Like the archangel of heaven, the source of all evil in the world. I mean, everything bad on the news came from the devil. And you think that because you're disciplined and you eat salads or whatever, 
that like now I stand a chance against the devil. We're just going to say something here that, that I think most of our issues and most of our problems are actually spiritual ones. So let me just kind of just teach a little bit about this. Before God can do what only he can do, which is fight the devil, you have to do what only you can do. So start thinking about your behavior modification like that. Like, I think, I think, and I've been just praying about how I would communicate this. Um, I suspect behavior, behavior's most important role is the opening and closing of spiritual doors. So think about it like that. God's like, give so I can do all of these things in your life and I can rebuke the devourer and... Be patient, be kind, so that I can do the heavy lifting. But what happens when a, a church or a Christ follower gets living out of their flesh, we start trusting our disciplines as if the discipline is keeping you away from the addiction. When it's God who's keeping you from the addiction, your behavior is just opening a spiritual door that brings power. So when we start thinking about that, it also keeps us humble too, because Christians can be like, hey, I beat this thing. And then they get proud and weird. And stop listening to pastor and preaching at their, you know what I'm saying? So we start missing this whole, that's why when our prayer teams pray for you, if you get prayed for after the service, there's, um, and we just offer prayer over there in communion. But if you get prayed for after, that's why we've given them instruction, give them something to do. Because God is trying to pour his power. It's not like God is, you know, God is power. He wants to pour it into you. But your behavior is open and close spiritual doors. So why would he pour his power into you if your behavior is just going to drain it? And you're going to use all that power and all that help to hurt people. And so that's why I would like give them something to do. I'm like, even if you don't know what to, give them like a scripture to read all week. Give them something they can do, we can do so that we can partner with God and do what only we can do. Um, And this series here, you know, we're just going to over-spiritualize everything. If you grew up in some churches too, it was like charismania, right? So everything was the devil. I got stopped by four out of five traffic lights this morning. It was a spiritual attack from the devil. Airtree drivers are a spiritual attack on me every day. Get, it's green. Get your vehicle in the intersection. You're stopped behind the stoplight. It doesn't even make any sense. Like, I, Pastor, I haven't changed oil in my car. And my engine blew up. Do you think it's the devil? Like, I don't think so. Pastor, my teenager's acting up. Is it the devil? I'm like, I think that they were raised by their best friends and not their parents. Yeah. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Is that my dad laughing back there? <laughs> the devil is attacking my finances. I'm like, you bought into like chipmunk hospitals and the stock went down. Like, I'm, I don't think that was the devil. I think you did that. <laughs> now today we're going to be uh, studying the life of Peter. What I want to do is, is, um, is really, I, Peter's my favorite disciple. I know that's kind of a weird choice because he was the biggest mess, but I just feel like I just associate, I identify as Peter. Yeah. I'm not to say that. Um, there's so much I want to say about that. Um, I think it's funny that God uses any of us. Honestly, um, I think it's funny that I'm your pastor. I think, I think it's hilarious. I went, I went to a school uh, 
one of my old school chums is here. I haven't seen him in years. You look good. You look better than you did in school, by the way. Um, I'm just saying, I think it's hilarious that I'm a pastor. You know, they gave out Christian. I went to a small Christian school, and they gave out Christian character awards. Half of my graduating class got them, and I didn't for my Christian character. You know, it's recently come to my attention that some of the things I do are annoying as a pastor. And uh, that wouldn't be so bad, except for my wife told me about it. <laughs> okay, fine. But, you know, it's good to have people in your life that tell you things you wish they'd keep to themselves. Um, but I think God can't resist the temptation to use idiots. Just because he can't. I just see an angel in heaven is like, God, God is bragging. I'm just, this is not theological. God is walking around bragging like, I can do anything with anybody. And an angel's like, why do you use that kid? And God's like, ugh. Like, okay, fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> you're going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, who's your pastor? You're going to be like, Pastor Corey. And he's like, oh no, I was just messing with everybody. Like, that wasn't, that wasn't a thing. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> I was just joking. I'm just like, I just want to see if anybody would, would do it. <laughs> Six years ago, God told us to plant a church here, and we're just like, okay. And uh, I don't know. I think you could have picked better kids. Um, but the, um, you know, I mean, some of the things I've done, um, even, oh my goodness, I've done so many things. Okay, so I took Dad's church over in in a little community before we moved here, and I we the you remember Church in the Wild? We do this series every year. Okay, well the first one, the first one. I thought this would be a good idea. I put a DJ on stage, and we played backing tracks to, like, hip-hop and stuff. Now, I love hip-hop, but I listen to clean hip-hop, so I don't know. So I'm like, just find some hip-hop tracks that are instrumentals, and, we, and he did. And uh, then I had somebody come up afterwards, because I was preaching while he was running tracks and stuff, and it was, like, super cool, except for in that town, it made no sense. And then a guy's like, you can't play those tracks. And I'm like, oh... And then I looked at some of the lyrics, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm playing, like, Snoop tracks behind it. I'm just like, oh, no. Like, what was I thinking? Like, that seemed like a good idea that I'm like, it's just soundtracks. But then I'm like, once I looked at them, I couldn't unlook at them, you know. We were tuning our sound system here um, a couple of weeks ago, and I sent, like, every now and again, somebody sends me, like, a clean hip-hop song. And so I sent it to him. I'm like, it's got good bass. Like, let's try that when you're tuning it. And then I come in and I listen to the song. I'm like, oh, no, no, this is, this is the real version of the song that I'm like, oh, they filled all the blank spaces with other things. And I'm like, oh, no. And I'm like, you got to turn that off. This is a church. And besides, like, I, oh, my goodness. I'm like, I sent you the, the, a different version. He's like, I just Spotified it. I'm like, oh. But whom God calls, he empowers. Whom God calls, he cleans out and he weaponizes for his own purposes and for his own glory. Now, I see a lot of Christians going to heaven, but not living a supernatural life right now. I see a lot of Christians trapped in this fleshly existence, you know. And um, I'm going to be talking today about, um, well, really, like your three parts. I don't know if you know this, but there's three parts of you. There's your body. Early church, like, what? Okay, so you got a body, <laughs> uh, and there's a soul and there's a spirit. So look, if we can just break this down, God also knows that you are made of three parts. 
So he has a, a way that he handles each of those three parts. And so the body, um, I'm just going to kind of go off track here a little bit. The, the, your body or your flesh, um, I'm going to say your, your body is pretty evident. I don't think I need to talk about that. Um, it can represent, though, your flesh. And, you know, Paul the Apostle says, the things that I should do, I don't do. The things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. Like, who will deliver me from this body of flesh? And then he says, I thank God that in Jesus Christ. And he goes on to that. But I think that we trust our bodies too much. But I think the only solution for the flesh really is discipline and behavior modification from the outside in. Um, now, there's the spirit. Now, the spirit, this is how we sort of think about this, is that uh, you remember Nicodemus? And go through this. If, if you don't read the Bible that much, go through these things during the week. But Nicodemus uh, is a spiritual leader in Israel. So he's like a professional Christian. Um, back then, and he's talking to Jesus, and he, and Jesus is like, you must be born again. And Nicodemus uh, gets all weird and churchy, and he says, like, what do you mean be born again? You mean I have to go back into my mother and come out again? And Jesus is like, gross, what are you talking about? <laughs> born again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you can't unhear that. No. <laughs> So there's born again, meaning that in the Garden of Eden, there was a spirit that connected within us that connected with God. He who worships God must worship in spirit and in truth. Sin come, came in, killed it. So now the thing that adopts is, makes us part of God's family is the spirit. It's like his name on the inside of us is dead. Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Something inside of you has to come back alive. So, so your spirit meaning, but he also says like, yeah, it is kind of gross though, but it comes through the, like you were birthed from your mother. There is a passing through of water that the spirit. So there is a, so when you become a Christ follower, your spirit comes alive within you. That is a, like a baptism in, of something inside of you that connects you with God. So you also know that there's a baptism of the body to signify, Hey, I'm going down. This now belongs to you, God. So we baptize, we go under the water, we pass through water again to do this. Now, the, the devil was so clever about this, about how he did this over the years. Now, there is also a baptism for your soul. Your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Now, this baptism is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The devil managed to separate out and create denominational divide over the baptism of the Holy Spirit for your soul, right. your mind, will, and emotions. I see Christians who have a spirit that is alive, that is connecting with God, who has a body that is now dedicated to the Lord with fleshly souls. And the, a fleshly soul cannot serve the law of the living God. All you can do is behavior modify it from the outside in. Jesus is like, I'm going to go through all the scriptures. You got to come back. You got to come back because I'm just going to go through the scriptures and say, okay, Jesus had a solution for this that works changed from the inside out. You're like, but I already have Jesus. Yes, Jesus. And I'll go through all this is a well of water springing up for eternal life. But then it says, but out of his heart will flow living rivers of living water. He says, Hey, it's great that you're all Christians. Now it's great that you're all saved. Don't leave Jerusalem. And I'm going to go into it. Don't leave Jerusalem and don't even try to do the work until this other thing happens. Now, now, the devil doesn't care if you go to church with a needle jammed in the flesh. Mm. 
this is what I used to hear growing up from other churches that I don't think had a biblical view about this was like, well, I'm, I'm saved now, so I have everything. No. No, absolutely not. Uh, salvation had to stand alone. Salvation, there's nothing you can do about that. There's no behavior modification you can do to receive a free salvation that you can't pay for. Adoption has nothing to do with you and everything to do with Jesus. All you're doing is just coming and living in his house. So salvation had to stand apart. It had to stand alone. Faith without works is dead. Yeah, but you didn't do anything to be saved. Like that is like a gift of God. Nothing you can do. Not of works, lest anybody should boast. But the rest of it is going to cost you a little bit. And so, um, but there were things that happened in the early church within minutes of each other or days at the most of like, oh, you gave your life to Christ. Let's get baptized. Let's go down to the river. And then what happened after the Holy Spirit fell was like, let's get baptized in the river. Good. We, okay, the Spirit's been, Spirit's passed through water. Good. You're reborn in the Spirit. Uh, your body has passed through water. Let's get a baptism for your soul so that you can get to work. Yeah. Right. Now, um, as we study the life of Simon Peter today, we're going to study Simon Peter before and after this event in his life. Was he following Jesus before? Absolutely. Did he do miracles before? Absolutely he did. Um, did he love Jesus? Yes. About as much as his flesh could. Was his needle jammed in the flesh? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. His soul was continually sidetracking and thwarting the plans of God in his life. Now, when he had finished speaking, we, we read here in Luke 5, Jesus said to Simon, Simon Peter, this is just his name, now go out where it is deeper... And let your nets uh, let down your nets to catch some fish. So Jesus had to use his boat, and because um, the crowd was pressing in, so he had to use his boat. So he's just off the. And then he's like, "Hey, um, go out a little deeper. I think some of you need to go a little little deeper today than you've been." Now this is a carpenter telling a fisherman where to find fish. So now there's something about Jesus you got to understand that he's just doing it just because he can, and he wants to see if you will. And uh, Simon says, Master, we worked hard all last night, didn't catch a thing. But I guess if you say so, we'll let the nets down again. Now, right now, Jesus, and through the, his ministry here, he's building a three-year vacuum in Peter that's showing Peter what his flesh can do and what his flesh can't do. And I want to, in this sermon, start creating a vacuum so that you start seeing your life as this, like, my flesh can never actually affect some of these things at all. I can only open and close spiritual doors for God to do the actual heavy lifting in my life. Your heart gets stuck in this place. You start getting out of sync with your spouse. You start imagining yourself with somebody else. There is something that God wants to do in you that only he can do. But when he does it, it stays done. And so at this time, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filling with fish and on the verge of sinking. On the verge of sinking. This is where God starts like, Jesus is like, hey, I have stuff to do that you can't even think about in your life right now. You're going to need so many friends to give the blessing away to because I'm going to pour out so much that you can't even take it all. But the trouble is I can't do it because you don't have any friends in other boats who can come and help you with the harvest. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. Watch this. What a weird place for Jesus to leave him in. Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. But I think Jesus is telling us, like, no, you have to get there today in the sermon. Like, oh, God, why are you here with me? 
Why, why me? There's better people out there. Why me? I'm such a sinful man. I'm such a sinful woman. Like I just, you shouldn't love me at all. I shouldn't even be here. It's, a, it's the place where we start. When Simon Peter, um, I just read that. Matthew 16. Watch this. Jesus comes to Caesarea Philippi. He asks his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asks them, who do you say I am? He's like, your grandma's faith and what she believes about me is not going to get you to heaven. Doesn't mean we have a relationship. Simon Peter answered, watch. He has this moment. You are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon. Don't you want to be like Peter today? Just today, though. <laughs> like, you are blessed because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. He's like, nobody can teach you that. You had a revelation here about who God is. Great job. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And some people are like, that means you're going to build it on Peter, St. Peter, or like the revelation of who God is. I think that's probably more accurate. But like, if you're Peter right now, you're just doing a victory lap. You're just like, what's up, James and John, you suck. <laughs> I didn't say this to anybody else, it's him. Yeah. Then, um, three verses later, from then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem. He would suffer terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests and the teachers of religious law. He'd be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. And Peter took him aside. Okay, now he's like, <clears throat> I'm a big deal around here now. Jesus. This is what your flesh loves to do, by the way. Jesus. I got this thing I need you to. He motions Jesus. And he uh, began to reprimand him for saying such things. If you call yourself a Christ follower and you're reprimanding the Lord for putting the law of God in the Bible, that is the only way for a human to live that actually works and has been proven over millennia. It's the only thing that's ever worked, guys. And you want to reprimand the Lord for putting that in there and being like, you're kind of mean now. Oh, you need this so bad. Jesus turned to Peter and said, oh, he said, heaven forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. Heaven forbid. Like, who do you think you're talking to? <laughs> Jesus, like the heaven that I made? Oh. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You've had a bad day, but yeah, this never happened to you. Jesus like, get away from me, devil. You are a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. I mean, like three verses ago, he's like, you saw this. No human taught you this. You saw this from God's point of view. And now he's like, devil, how'd you get to him so quick? You're only seeing this from a human's point of view. Doesn't want the cross. Couldn't hang on a cross. Couldn't bear the cross. Couldn't take the injustice. Couldn't. It's like, this is why I'm here. Don't you ever tell me that I can't do what God told me to do. He, he was up and down. He had good spiritual days. He had bad spiritual days. He was up, 
good one day, and the next day, man, you're just like, who did dad, who's this dad? Which one is it? He can't level out and level up until the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, uh, tonight everybody's going to betray me. And Peter stands up and he's like, even of all these other idiots betray you, I will never. I'm willing to die for you. He's like, I learned my lesson from the whole being called Satan thing. I'm going to die for you. And Jesus is like, before tonight's over, you're going to deny three times that you know me. And one of them is going to be to a servant girl. And you're going to cuss and swear a bunch to impress people. Like that's where you can't outrun or overrun or overturn the devil. Like you're missing this element of, he's like, no, your flesh is going to fail like everybody else's does. Jesus is like, hey guys, I'm gonna, I need three of you guys to come here. Peter, come, stay awake for one hour on the night that he was betrayed. Stay awake for one hour in the garden. I just need you awake for one hour. And they kept falling asleep. Peter finds some energy when the high servants, uh, the high priest servant comes and finds enough energy to cut his ear off. Though, so, couldn't stay awake for an hour and cuts this guy's ear off. And Jesus. It's like, what are you doing? Puts his ear back on, like, sorry. <laughs> Holy Spirit, it's coming. I just, he just, he's just doing his best, but it's not a lot. <laughs> John 21, after the resurrection, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. <laughs> like, the heck with all this. I'm going back to what I know. I don't know if anybody's there today. It's like, I'm going back to my old way of life. I can't do this anymore. You can't live a life in Christ in the flesh. Right. Absolutely, you can't. This is a perfect time for you to be in church. He's like, I'm going back fishing. At least I knew what to do there. Um, we'll come too, all the disciples said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. You can go back there, but there's nothing there for you. You're never going to catch another fish again out there. Your future is in front of you. Now, Peter can't even quit, right? And Jesus won't let him. Now, it's interesting that on the resurrection morning, Jesus says to, to the women, Hey, this is what he says. And I'm, I feel like this is for somebody here. Somebody here was close to God at one time, and you're coming back. I feel like this is, is the word for you today is that he says, tell the disciples, and then he says, and Peter, the angel said, tell the disciples and Peter to go to Galilee. I'll meet them there. Peter's like, I'm going to Galilee, but I'm going to go back fishing. And Jesus is like, no. He knew what he was going to do. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he was. This resurrected Jesus didn't look like the other one. They just couldn't even recognize him. Why? Because they were looking with eyes of the flesh. How do you think that the Pharisees, who spent their entire lifetimes memorizing scripture about the Christ to come, didn't recognize Jesus when he came right in church? Because they were living it out in the flesh. It wasn't doing a work inside. 
They didn't recognize him. He called out, guys, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Then he said, throw your net on the right-hand side of the boat. You'll get some. And if I'm out fishing and that's all that I do, I'm like, who is that? What? Just take your net. And these are not big boats, by the way. These were tiny boats. So like, hey, throw your net, you know, 15 feet over here. And they're like, that's going to do it. That's where the fish are. We didn't know. You know? This is where Jesus is going to tell you, hey, I want you to do something that doesn't make any sense to you. But your behavior could unlock and open a spiritual door that you've never partaken of before. I just want to see if you'll do it. Because if you can't do something that doesn't make any sense, what do you think life in the spirit is going to be like? You think you're going to walk around here and Jesus is going to be like consulting you? Like, Renee, what do you think you should say to your husband next? And Renee's like, I want to say some stuff. power of God comes, but it's about the power of God and it's about God. It's not about you. That's why when he asks the servants to do things that don't make any sense to us and he comes through with a great victory and we don't have anything we can take out of it. We can't be like, I'm an amazing person. That's why I'm a pastor. God's like, no, you were the worst. I just wanted to see if you if anybody be dumb enough to follow. I just want to see if a people could just go if I said go. Because God can make anything out of anything. What he didn't say was go out deeper this time. I think some of you have been in the church so long, I don't think you need to get any deeper. I just think you need to throw the net on the other side of the boat. So they did, and they couldn't haul the net in because there were so many fish in it. So I just want to leave this. I don't want this to be a conclusion. I just want this to be an opening today where I'm going to say, Pack all of your experience and all of your thoughts about what could be done in your life. If you come from church, pack all your theology in a box on the left-hand side of your boat. Because we're going to throw the net over the right-hand side of the boat and see what God wanted to do.